up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the mommy collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Dr. Raquel Martin. She's one of the mommy gangsters out there. Yeah. Children, I think children turn us all into thugs, willingly or unwillingly. Yeah, I say all the time that our kids, they literally test your gangster on the daily. It's a job that requires a graduate degree. It requires so many skills that like, I don't know. I work for him, receptionist, culinary artist, butt wiper. Therapist. You know, therapist and all these things. I'm like, oh, this is um, this is amazingly awful because it's amazing. It's amazing. It's also awful on some days. Horrific. <laughs> and... Let's get into that because first of all, thank you for coming on. I just, you're, you're one of those people on social media that is hilarious, but also there's like function and fashion. Like it all, it all works. There are major takeaways, but you also make us laugh, but you also see us. We feel seen. We feel kindred spirits with you. Like mama help, because what I know to be true in my mommy Mm -hmm. journey, is I feel like the worst mother in the world, first of all, as what I hear we all feel like from time to time. Oh, yeah. I, I was commenting on something one day with a video and they were like, oh, you're doing so well. And I was like, oh, I cried about being a bad mom at 6 a.m. It just happens to be eight. And I have bounced back from that. But no, I was in the bed like, does he love me? Yeah. It's amazing to me now that I'm on this side, because my single time was fly. OK, like. I knew how to be a single woman. Like, you know, you couldn't tell me shit. But now that I have this child and I'm like, oh, the world keeps downing mothers. The people that literally keep the world running. What? The patriarchy is powerful. When we sit back and see the mind fuck that they, the mind screw that they project on all of us that we're weak or we're lesser, that we are literally doing everything. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because half the time it's, um, and you said it right the first time, it's definitely mind fuck. But you, like the, the issue with like having to manage that, having to manage babies that don't get to be babies for long. And then I feel like, I think it's talked out, talked about more now, but at least before I became a parent, no one talked about you being a whole person before you had a baby and then still trying to, Hold on to that, like people trying to make your whole identity just be not just because it's so much, but being a mom and you're growing as a human being, taking care of a human being. But you're also just like, there's also stuff I still want to do. And I feel like it's talked about more now, but it wasn't really talked about when I was just like pregnant or thinking about like just the changes in what I wanted to do. No, no we're feeling like guilty half the time. When we were pregnant, it was like the most love I've ever received from strangers. 
We were lulled into this like fantasy of how wonderful it is to be pregnant and to be birthing children. I had random people open doors and tell me how have a great day. It is an energy I'd never experienced before. Once that baby's born, you an old hag who birthed the baby. I mean, like when I was pregnant, dealing with that same thing, I was like, man, am I still black? Because <laughs> yes, don't have to rush across the street without somebody trying to hit me. People opening doors, having random conversations with me. And I'm just like, right. Yeah, I don't. I'm like, am I still a black woman with an afro and a black pride journal? Like what? I mean, it's a maternity shirt now, but like, I feel like that's the whole issue. And then also just like the, just the fear of having black babies. I was like, you know, I'm a little nervous about this. Like I was ready to have a child, but then also I was like, oh dude, you're black. You're actually about to have a black baby. This is actually not the same. And what about like going to the hospital and all that? I, I had to do a lot of like working through mental health wise of being like, all right, we need to figure out what our chill or what our motherhood's going to look like, because it's not the same. It's like you see in those typical pamphlets, you know, where the stuff that the, the examples they give you and because it's, it's all of those things don't typically include what my experience will be. Correct. And that's why I started this podcast because I'm like, I am so sick of the Oh, my God. It's so wonderful. So beautiful to be a mother. And I'm like, not every second. Hold up. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. Yes, there are moments here and there but there's a lot of work. I feel like, yes, the amount of jobs that I have. And I am at the point with an eight-year-old where I'm like, is this it? Is Am I now just serving an eight-year-old? Where is Tanika? I had dreams. I feel, I feel like every single time people always, you know, I don't know if you got this too. People always be like, oh, it's just like this time period. But I feel like they say it with every time period. And I'm like, I mean, you've been saying that since I was pregnant. You've been saying that since I was sick. He was six weeks, eight weeks, nine months, one year, two years. And then I'm just like, you know, you, I can't simply exist by thinking that like, once I get to the next age range, I get to have a life. Like that's not a way of existing, but I feel like I got that all the time. And I, oh, it's just until he's two or until he's three. And I'd be like, when is that happening? He's, he's six months now. So like, what you want me to do for the next? 16, 18, 20 months. Like, it's just unreasonable stuff. And I had to figure out what it was going to be until then. And most of the time it would be advocating for being like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I need to go upstairs. Girl. And and being blessed enough to be like, oh, I'm able to go upstairs. Or even sometimes, I, like, when I had my first, I was living in the same state, like, two hour, an hour away from my mom, which is basically down the street with the way she drives. And one time, it was, I forget how old my, young, my oldest was, but I called my mom at, like, four o'clock in the morning crying and I said I can't I can't do this I can't do this I need help and she said I'll be there in two hours and she was just there <laughs> like I was like mom I'm so tired like I can't I can't do this I can't do this Brittany, my husband has worked tomorrow like I can't she was there I love that like, but everyone doesn't have that but most of the time I feel like I could have called her earlier and she would have been there but something was pulling me to feel like oh why I mean, you should be able to do this. What is the big deal? Everything. I, I know what it is. It's called the patriarchy. It isolates each one of us mothers and tells mm-hmm. us we got to survive on our own. And it's bullshit because our community, we black, okay? Our people raise children in community, but that has been yep. stripped from us through shaming 
and I'm sick of it. So look, you're married. It's a little different, right? Than mm-hmm. me. I'm a single mom. So single moms know how to mother in community. You know, oh, yeah. my, my mom, mom, she had us at 18 with, and I'm a twin. And my, uh, we call him my sperm donor. My, my dad is my stepdad because he's been around for so long because my sperm donor has not been around for so long. That's the dad I grew up with. Mm-hmm. But for a couple of years before she met my dad, uh, my now dad, twins at 18, she was nuts. I told her, I was like, dude, I mean, I'm glad I'm here. Also, though, I would have understood. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, mom, I love existing, but I would have understood, honey, because that's insane. 18. Insane. What did she do? Tell me that story. Like 18, did her parents embrace her? Did they kick her out the house? What did she do? We lived with my grandma and my great grandma and my aunt and my uncle. They were like, I mean, go to school or get a job. That's the only way we're helping you. You know, they didn't kick her out. But they were like, go to school or get a job. That's the only way we're going to help you with these babies. And she went to school. She did her bachelor's and her master's. She went straight through. She got a master's of social work, did school during the school year, did it during the summer to knock everything out, went straight to get a job. And she always just had like, even if we didn't have like a ridiculous amount of money, I didn't know how poor we were until I was an adult because I never went out. I never went without a meal. But know? how beautiful is that? Like, I, I look, I think that is a beautiful thing that we need to get back to. It's like if you yeah. if you're fed, if you have joy in the house, if you have love in the house, then you're happy. You're good. And we always had child care. That was the thing. Like it's. I, Childcare is ridiculously expensive now, but living with my grandma and my great grandma and living in the same city where all like my aunts and all them yeah. were like, if she needed to get to work or if she needed to take an extra class or study for something, she may not be able to buy the newest outfit, but she has childcare. So she's able to do what she needs to do. Like, so us living all in the same house, there was always someone to take care of the twins, which is they still to this day call us the twins. So like there was always someone to take care of us so she could do what she needed to do. We didn't have a ridiculous amount of money, but she didn't have to worry about someone actively caring for her children so she can do what she needed to and the community thing is so important and i always tell people like family of origin and family of choice are comparable because so many people will be like well i don't have that my family is awful and so many families are like that's just what it is but family of choice is the same thing we call our best friends our sisters my i have a million aunties my mom only has one sister Yes. My mom only has one sister. My dad has one sister. Mm-hmm. Technically, I got two aunties, but we got a million of them because those are who my mom chose to be my aunts. And yes. a lot of times I'm talking about parenting. I tell so many people focus on like, OK, we'll find another community, especially since now so many black people are building these online communities yeah. where you can meet other black moms. You can see other stuff, you know, I'm look, you know, Destiny was on your podcast the other day. Like there's so many times where you can actually hear people who understand not just parenting, but parenting from the perspective of a Black woman, and then also finding the community, it's way easier than it used to be. Absolutely. You know, not in life. It's it's terrible in life, but it's way easier to find, to try to find. Because <laughs> it's true. not easier in life. It's just life. not. But, but, but it's easier to raise yeah. kids and to feel like we're supported these days. And oh, yeah. I joined Mocha Moms because it saved my life. Do you have Mocha Moms out there? We do have it here. Save my life. And that was just started by moms who just were like, yeah, we need more. Yeah. The, the mom group is not doing what it needs to do. No. And they created an entire, I mean, it's nationwide. Like it's everywhere, right? Yeah. It's everywhere. It, it, it literally saved my life. I was like, okay, I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like so many times people are getting no's from other individuals or when they ask for help or when they ask for explanation because at some point someone told them no. So now they don't even realize how like much it would have helped them if someone reached out instead, like someone limiting, like they, they have their own limitations. So they decide to limit you according to the same thing. And I see it a lot with parenting, 
especially when I was training in Baltimore and there, a lot of times it was like intergenerational parenting. Like the childcare was the retired grandma. Mm-hmm. And the mom would be like, oh, and I have, I wish people would understand, I have done family therapy or a couple therapy with like parents, like mom and grandma, because mom will be like, oh, we're not putting our hands on our child. And the grandma will be like, I'm home with him all day. So if he don't act right, I'm a papa. Or, That's oh, deep. we're not doing a certain amount of screen time. And mom is at work all day. And granddad was like, oh, well, I just gave him the iPad because he likes it. And having to talk about like so many times, parents will be like, well, I need this child care because it's free. It's interesting. You say it's free. But for anything, most people will feel like anything that costs you your peace is expensive. So what you deem it's free is actually costing like a rift between your family, like seeing families be like, okay, well, how about this? We figure out to do part-time. We watch the baby for part-time and you can afford part-time care because even that would help their relationship a little better than having to be like, mom, I want to have a relationship with my mom, but my child's grandmother is tripping, you know, because like seeing them as two different people. And I feel like sometimes it's even that limitations of, you know, luckily my mom very much because we had so much support. <laughs> she's like, listen, you know, I plan on being there all the time. You tell me what you need and you will need it. But I've seen friends who moms would be like, well, I did it by myself. What's the big deal? Absolutely. Or like, what do you need? You I mean, you mean you need a minute to just like breathe? Like I did it with multiple kids. What's the problem? The thing is, I wish you understood you shouldn't have had to. And if I'm telling you I need help, why are you putting the limitations someone placed on you on me? Like so many times people will just be like, well, I suffered through it. Yeah, you what is that? through it. What you is su- that? That's a word. It's suffer. And I feel like so many times I'm like, that child care may be free, but is it really? If y'all are hearing all the time about this, find another way. Agree. Even if it's just like, oh, instead of you watching them five days a week, you watching them three. Well, that means I got to argue. I get to argue with you two less days. Or maybe I need to look at in-home child care or something like that. Or maybe I need to like budget even harder if possible so that I don't have to deal with this so it doesn't sever my relationship with my my parent as a, as a parent. Because it's just like the generational differences are big. And so many times I think, especially Black parents and Black moms and Black dads, they had to go through so much. They had to survive. And yeah. that's what they see just surviving. And it's like, well, as a parent, I'm, I'm not going to just survive. I'm going to thrive. And if I don't, I can't be the parent I need to be. I can't be the mom I need to be being around my kids 24-7. I don't, I don't want to. I need to miss you. Like one time, the first time I went back to work <laughs> and my babies were away from me, I saw my son and I was like, oh, I'm so glad I got to miss you today. That was great. So true. It was amazing. But it's just like, I think some people very much that that's what they want to do and be around their kids all the time. That will never be me. Never. And it doesn't mean I love my kids any less. If anything, nope. I love you more because you don't want to be around mom who's been around you 24 hours. Like get out up here but I feel like it's not talked enough about because black women you know super black superwoman syndrome we're always expected to do so much more and I really think I wish people would think about it in terms of the aspect of like you need to do more than survive I gotta ask like why aren't there as many black male therapists or black male psychologists and stuff like that and I'm like well we don't really provide individuals with the space black men at the space to express their emotions and when I say we I don't mean like black women or black men i mean the world the collective because when yeah. you, the collect it's it, you know it's not just us so like why would a black man who's been told to like suck it up who's only seen to like squelch his emotions who's seen as an adult so they don't really get to express their emotions as quickly as it's or even identify different ones why would they want to go into a field where that's their whole job ijama olu has this thing where she's like certain things work by design and certain things work by design because they're awful and her example was like the police system it's like well you know when you think about police brutality, do you think the system isn't working? And she's, I think it works by design because if you look at the historical context of police officers, they were meant to capture and enslave Africans and, and, and destroy their bodies and return them back to captivity. 
So like, do I think it doesn't work? No, I think it works by design. Do I think that like women are put, black women are put in a position to like, oh, not want children. I think it works by design. I think that the system puts us in a position where we're so used to working for others. And think about, I mean, nobody really talks about the generational rift of like in two aspects. One, we haven't had as much time as other people to rear our own children, right? Because we were raising other people's children. And then two, I see it the same way of like, there are so many European American counterparts talking about like looking down at us and talking about ways to rear our children when there are generations where they didn't watch their own. You didn't watch your own children and we were caring for yours and then we didn't get a chance to care for ours. So like when I hear the whole aspect of like critiques and stuff like that, I'm like, well, that would just be the same as me critiquing your parenting process because we were parenting your children before you were or you're cooking or you're cleaning. I mean, because it's the same thing. Like sometimes when people make jokes, I'm like, well, you know, historically they didn't have to cook and clean for a minute. So I don't think some things are just based on his history. I mean, this is what it is. Like, it's just, this is facts. But I feel like most of the time it works by design because it's kind of just like the whole aspect of authenticity. We don't get to think about caring for other children. Most people, most, a lot of black families are, women are parentified where they've been caring, caring for their siblings and their nieces and their nephews and sometimes their parents because parentification can be their parents too so it's like why would I want a kid when I've been watching kids my whole life like I'm in my 30s and I'm sitting here wondering why I don't want a child while I babysit my niece and my nephew or while you know you've been watching kids your whole life why would you want to have an asthma baby else in the background why would you want to have another one and I think a lot of times people don't realize that like it it, and you don't get a chance to right because like most of the time we think about therapy but therapy is very much a you know, everyone deserves therapy, but nobody really gets a chance to slow it down and be like, hey, I kind of have been watching kids my whole life. Mm-hmm. I've always done it. That's probably why I have an aversion to it now without acknowledging that, like, one, you don't have to have children. And two, the way you parent can be different than the way you were parented. That's revolutionary right there. We're such a community of like, well, you know, that's how I always did it. I'm keeping it real. Oh, that's how my my grandparents did it. And, and I think we really need to separate yeah. ourselves from the inertia. I think that's, that'll be really helpful for our community, for each one of our generations to stand up and go, what, what have I learned? What it is that I like? What feels good to me? How, what's organic to me versus what's been pumped into my head? I compare this to how we eat, right? So we mm-hmm. eat like crap. Our community eats yeah, horrific. Especially right about now. Listen, I just, this is a peanut butter cup right here. Now, I'm not judging um, peanut butter cups. I'm talking about <laughs> chitlins and chicken and all that crap we eat yeah. that has been passed down from slavery and it's killing us one by one by one. That's what I'm talking about is we've got to say, wait a minute. We all know the food is bad. Why are we going to in and out every day? We've got to step back from that and go, I love myself. I want to be, a, I want to survive this. So let's change it. Let's stop doing what our generations after generations after generations have done when that was harmful. And it's hard for us to do that, I think, because we like to feel like we're connected to our family and food is celebratory. But if we could stand strong in each generation and go, I'm trying to one up, not just make more money than the last generation, but possibly have better ideology, have better thought processes, have better health. You know, all those things kind of come with it. And we think that comes with privilege. And it doesn't. We can make those decisions now. Part of that is a policy change, too, though, right? Because depending on where I would work, depending on where my clinic was at, it would be easier for me to get a cheeseburger. And for me to get a flipping apple. And I would be floored. Yeah. Like the, the quickest way for me to be put in a bad mood was to leave my food prep at home because I am just going to starve. Like I'm either going to starve because there's nothing around me or I'm going to make a ba- bad food decision. And I'm going to be mad about that too. 
So like that would that would really change my whole day because it's like I don't have 20 minutes to drive to the burbs to actually get something that looks like it came out of the ground like that that actually has a vegetable. So now I'm either going to make a poor food decision and be mad about that or I'm not going to eat and be even madder about that. And even the way they direct stuff like you notice, the, like if you look at certain commercials, the way they direct certain fast food places to us, I can tell a McDonald's commercial by hearing the music before I even see the commercial. Mm-hmm. Again, and it's ridiculous. Design, all of yes, it. all of it. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, and every single time I'm like, "Oh, that must that must be a McDonald's commercial because they be going, hit, they be going." They got a new baby. chicken like, sandwich. Yo. Yeah, I'd be like, "Why are they rapping?" No, that must be for us. That's a commercial for us. Like, it's and so part of it is that, and part of it is a policy change, and part of it is that, like a lot of people don't realize their relationship with food, like how you know. You have stress hormones like cortisol and stuff like that. And then you have like the, the pleasure ones like serotonin and stuff like that. And food gives you that. Oh, yeah. And if you're in, a, in an environment where you're experiencing so much racism related stress, you're not taking care of yourself. And the only time you feel good is when you eat. I feel like so many people try to lose weight and change their lifestyle without even addressing like, well, food is your coping skill. It's not just because you like the food. It's because this is the only thing in your life that you like. It's that, that, you're, that you're in control of that you're in control of right because you can control that right like you can't but and there's so many times especially as black there's so much stuff that's out of our control yeah. so like this is like well i chose to eat a cheeseburger mm. i would debate control i would debate the choice the choice in that like i would yeah. i kind of would because you don't yeah, have any other tricky. skills it is it is your decision and it is right? your decision to feed yourself shit but at the same time you're like but i made it all and that if other there's stuff. so many times when there's nothing else where you get to control, it's like, even me, when I have a, like a, a big stress response, I have to actively work to not, I always, I crave the two, I always, pizza and ice cream are always going to be my favorite things in the world. Like dairy has a hold on me like no other. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not proud of it. It just is what it is. But I already, I always know the self-monitoring is, is something I always do. When I have a huge stress response, I always crave like either pizza, a really sugary coffee drink or ice cream. Like there's never any difference because you're right. People, I think some people don't realize that they're choosing that, but it's because they have so little choices in their own life. Like I, I often attribute that to like somebody asked me one time, why do you, why do you think sometimes black parents have such a poor relationship with their children? I was like, well, I don't think everyone does. I think one, sometimes you can't understand the next generation. <laughs> like it's tough. But two, I'm like, you know, a lot of times some individual, you know, in addition to like the energy, the generational aspect of like you literally your children not listening could be life or death so you had to use extreme consequences but also i think like when black people are walking around every single day and they're not getting respect in this world they come home their threshold is low and they're trying to get the respect from their children that they didn't get from the world which is inappropriate but it's also like we're kind of you're dealing with what you're dealing with and in no way manages the consequences but we also need to acknowledge the consequences of the world like i think a lot of times stuff is just put on black parents and black moms and black dads that i'm like what about like the 50 instances of racism I had to deal with before I came home and I'm supposed to be, you know, wanting to deal with, even though children are amazing, I'm supposed to want to deal with this child who I had to repeat 50 times So we not having pizza tonight. I done told you 50 times we're not having pizza tonight. You're going to eat this spaghetti. I'm not playing with you. Pretend it's pizza. Put the Parmesan on it. I don't care. Like, you know, and your threshold is already low and we are like you automatically get blamed and not taking into account the world. Like, I know. What do y'all yeah, think yeah, we're the- dealing with here? We have to like treat ourselves with grace because there are those moments where I'm like, 
like I said, the worst mother in the world because the way I reacted to some, my daughter flooded her bathroom the other day. Just watched the water go out the tub and go all over the floor and then has the nerve to come out and go. So there's water on the floor, like a lot. I, I get up and I go, first I'm calm. And then I'm like, mother, like, what are you? Exactly. Then you just lose it. And then I'm crying because I treated her that way. And it's just mm-hmm. so hard. But you sat there and watched water. <laughs> out, you're sitting right there. It's like such a, that was such a mom. You sat, what? Why? 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 You're never going to get why? the why. Dude, I don't even know if they know the why or if no. they can communicate the why. I don't know if it, I think they're just like, what happens if? Oh, that's why I always tell people, you know, just to make sure I'll never forget this time I had a session with a parent. She's like, I'm just so exhausted. And it's just I just can't help be annoyed by my child. And I said, oh, well, that's because kids are annoying. Yes. And she said, she said, what? And I said, oh, because kids are annoying. And she was just like, so this is normal. And I was like, yeah. And she was just like, I'm sorry. I, she's like, this is like my darkest thought. And I just feel bad because I shouldn't be thinking this way. And I said, who told you that you couldn't be annoyed by your child? Her mom-in-law, her mom-in-law. I was just like, well, your mom-in-law is absolutely false. And ain't no way your mom-in-law was not annoyed by your husband at 50 times a day. Ain't no way. But most of it is just like, I, I, I put it into a space of just making sure I apologize. And most of the time, I always say like, you know, parents make mistake and apologize for the harm so I can normalize that. Yes. I also tell my son when I need space. Does he care? No. I tell him I need space and I trip because he done ran into my behind because I stopped short too quick or something like that. Or um, one time, one time he did tell me that he needed space and I thought that was amazing. But I also like normalize the whole aspect of I'll tell him what I'm doing, like in this hitting phase. I don't even know if it counts as a phase. We, we a year in. And I'm like, you know, you don't hit people's bodies and stuff like that. And um, it was been a long day. And I was just like, he hit me and I was like, I- I'm going to go into the other room because I need space. And he said no. And I said, yes. Because when you hit people and you hurt people, they don't have to just stand there and take it. It's not kind, right? Like trying to like really get into the thought of him understanding, like when you hurt someone, it's their choice whether or not to stay, but they don't have to. You can't just like hurt people, you know, especially as a child, but especially as a boy. As a boy, I'm really like the messages are like, I'm trying to be very clear, but I'm like, I told him. I told my mom, I was like, I'm not putting another shiftless man into this world. I'll be, I don't care. You know, you, you will, because we got enough, but I always, I like every single time I'm always saying like, you know, telling him, I'm like, well, you hit me, that hurts. Is there anything you want to do when you hurt people? Like, you know, apologizing, or if I do something, even as simple as like, I didn't move too fast and I can do like pinch him. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for pinching you. I'm sorry for hurting you. When, you know, everybody makes mistakes, adults make mistakes. And then we name everybody who makes mistakes. We'll be like, mama, dad, dad. Pop up, Gigi, Russell, J- we name like, so he knows everyone makes mistakes and he'll even apologize to the dog at this point. But just to normalize, like, it's okay to make mistakes. You don't have to like feel bad for making mistakes. So many times I feel like there are fears and anxieties in this world because people didn't normalize making mistakes and now people think they have to be perfect. And it's kind of yes. like, well, you you don't have to be perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. I, if I pinch you, I apologize when I tell you I need space. And most of the time I don't actually apologize for the space because I need it. And I think it's, I think children need to also understand that like, you don't have to be around anyone 24 seven, but also like my, we need to respect everyone's space. Like as a parent, I'm a, I'm a person too. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sacrifice. <laughs> we sacrifice enough, but if I want space, I've literally said I need space when it's in my room and lock the door. And 
it, it'll go one or two ways. One, he'll cry out the cry the whole time, and then when I come out after having my space, he's fine. Or he'll go to his dad, and he ain't even want me. Or he'll go play a toy. What you a blessing to have an option though in the house. See, yeah. like the pandemic was was ugh, terrifying because we had to stay together. And her dad, you know, when you're a single mom, when you're co-parenting, dads are real optional. They just are. They're like, oh, I got to go out tonight. Oh, no, I can't watch them because I'm going out tonight. And you're like, they don't have to ask anybody. They don't have to cover the child care. Yep. And the work that we have to do as single moms to make sure that if we do want to go out for a night to get a goddamn break, we have to cover the child, right? And send it- clothes, which is, you know, always, you know, always drove me crazy. Because my friends, they all had children before me. And they're like, oh, let me pack these clothes. What do you mean? I don't understand. And then the clothes would never come back. The clothes would never come back. Never come back. And I would just be like, so not only are you not providing enough stuff financially, I'm over here buying clothes for two two aspects of the house. And most of the time, you know, because I'm I'm most of the one be like, drop them off. Like, she'll be fine. Ain't nobody going to leave a child outside. I would be like, the problem is, like, they know and it sounds how it sounds, how good of a parent you are. So there are times where they know how bad of a parent they get to be because they do know that like, oh, she's not, she's not going, she's not going to send my child over here with no clothes, without no clothes. She's not going to send our child over here without any activities. She's going to make sure her hair is done. Even if I don't answer the phone, well, I know I said I was going to pick her up, but she not, I'm not going to answer the phone. She's just going to cancel her plans. Certain people realize that they they know how good of a parent one parent is, so they realize how bad of a parent they get to be because they they know it. If they thought that you were as bad as them, they might have some concern and be like, "Oh, I, I need I, I actually do need to show up because she will leave that child at the gas station. She will because I know she's off. That's not but that's not what it is. They know how good of a parent you are, so they know how bad of a parent they get to be. And that's you not everyone. My child's father. But <laughs> that's what? not everyone. <laughs> you but nailed it. Parenting and doing that. That's what it is. He just said, or she just said, because they go both. I didn't deal with both. She just said that um, she forgot the clothes. So I had to buy clothes. Well, that's because that's the privilege of her knowing that when she, when, when your son comes to dad's house, you're going to buy clothes or that you even, even the privilege of being able to do that. Cause come on, clothes are expensive. They grow like weeds. It's ridiculous. But I working with parents and doing the family therapy and doing the co-parenting sessions, co-parenting sessions are like the toughest sessions. I never so when hard. I do schedule schedule my sessions, I never do a session directly after a co-parenting session. Like it will never happen. It is you need always space. Like, I need space because it's really it's real intense in there. It's either like right before lunch, so I can decompress for lunch, or it's my last session of the day. I will. You will never. I will never you do a co-parenting session and do back to. Well, it's tough though, right? Because like, imagine. Okay, you don't broke up with someone. People break up for different reasons. But in my in me, like, I broke up with you. I don't want to be you no more. I'd be cool if I never saw you again. And I still got to see you. I still have to see you. Like, imagine how infuriating that is. That's kind of just like how I always like siblings. Siblings are the roommates you never. I don't have to imagine, Dr. Raquel. It's miserable. But that's what's frustrating, right? Like, it's like, I mean, I don't know already. I do not want to see you anymore. And it's like, so you're going to drop them off Friday? Yeah, I guess I have to, don't I? Even though I decided that I don't want you. 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 Yes, Kiki and Angela. I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. You a liar. But it's like, all right, so you're going to be at the recital on Wednesday. We got to be there at five. It's it's exhausting. And it's one of the things that'd be like, man, I don't want to do this no more. I feel it. It's sucks. Stay married, girl. Stay married. Stay married. We'll see. No, I'm saying. But I don't know the future, you know? 
you know, love and love and love and everything. But like you, it's just, and you know, what's funny though, we were, I was just looking at something and I think some people also need to acknowledge that like in some people's marriages, they single parents too. A thousand percent. I have so, so many friends. Don't have that upper like, echelon. I'm doing the same thing you're doing. And that yeah. to me would be a divorce immediately. And I would be like, why aren't you concerned? I think sometimes, I think um, not even just in the black community, I think I'm like women overall, there seems to be like, at times there has to be like some aspect of like upper echelon. And it sucks because there are times when people will perceive me in a way that they assume just because of the the engagement, the, the environments that I'm in, like I'm a doctor, I'm married, I'm doing okay. And then they'll engage with me in a way and I'm like, oh no. I'm a thug. And also, I don't like you. You know, just being like, oh, because you're married. So you think because you're married and you have kids that your relationship is so much better than someone who actually decides to be like, I want to live my life. It's not. And also, I don't met your husband. Awful. Awful. That man don't even know what size your children wear. Okay. And it happens to me all the time. I feel like it happens often. I'm just like, oh, I get it. You think because I belong, like, because I have these, I have these roles that that's the kind of person I am. It's not. You you don't (laughs) adhere to many, many of those rules and those lanes and those boxes, which is great. No, because like it doesn't work. And I don't know if it's more so where I'm from. I don't know if it's more so being from Philly. I don't know if it's more so like watching my mom sacrifice so much and and be an amazing mom. I don't know if it's because like becoming a doctor was like going through the pits of hell Um, and working as a clinician to see. But at the end of the day, working with people who have like six, seven figures or working with people as patients who have one or two, we're all like humans. Like it doesn't matter, you know, and I think part of it is my occupation, but part of it is like the way I grew up and part it's just like we're all people. So like, why? I don't care. You know, most of the time it's just like, who cares? (laughs) I probably say who cares? Oh, my God, you're so dope. No, that's the way it should be. I mean, I worked in Hollywood for a really long time. So I, I I appreciate that because people are like, you're with celebrities. They're people. And that's how I expect people to come at me now. I do because people love when they come sideways. I mean, it's one of my favorite pastimes. But at the end of the day, like in dealing with people, we're all humans. And especially in like the mothering context, like I always say there is a special, there's a special place in hell with a basement for mothers and women who don't support other women. And for black women, there's a even, there's a dungeon. Cause how dare you? Like how dare like women who don't support other women or mothers who don't support other mothers? Like, what, are you serious? Are you serious? There's no, there's no way. Like, I, when I, anytime I hear like a kid crying and like targeted something like that, my first reaction is like that poor parent. She, they are just trying their best, and you over here tripping. Like I automatically go to the, <laughs> as it should be. But I think a lot of people go to, oh, that mother's horrible. That baby's crying. And so we got to turn it on its head and be like, this is not the first time this child has been whining today. This mother probably told this child an hour ago, we're going to go to this store. Let's let's be quiet. Let's be on our best behavior. And yes, we're going to get lunch soon. Like all the things that happen around the meltdown at Target. And I just, I barely hear it. Like uh, today, even my, you know, my son don't throw a tantrum. When I give him the sandwich and he's like, I don't want to. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I assumed when you said you wanted a peanut butter and jelly that you wanted a peanut butter and jelly. How dare I? Uh, And you would think you would think I destroyed that. The way he'll be like, (laughs) ah, she gave me what I asked for. Okay, we have to unpack that whole tight because (laughs) because I'm very sarcastic. And I didn't realize how much sarcasm's in my mothering. My daughter's doing something stupid. And so now my daughter's like, well, you're so sarcastic. 
Can sarcasm live in mothering? Can it be functional in mothering? It can be with your other parents. We were in the car one time. My mom, my son was doing something. He was talking back. And my mom was like, I'd like to see you do it. And I actually told my mom, I was like, oh, mom, we don't use sarcasm with Russell. And she said, what? I said, children can't understand sarcasm. And it's actually kind of confusing. So we don't use sarcasm with him. And she was like, all right, Raquel. My mom, so like, and this, I, I want to share, first of all, the woman who is my, my kid's grandparents, that's not the woman who raised me. Right, they're okay. different people. This woman is definitely chill. My mom's always amazing. I would, like, I would take 90% of how she parented me. But the one thing I will not do, she used to always be like, because I said so. And I always hated that growing up. Right. And it was even more weird because she very much always told me to critically think and challenge systems, except when the system was her. <laughs> and I, I, you know, like, and I always hated that. And I, I legit take like darn near everything my mom did raising me. But when it comes to like certain things regarding communication, I don't do that. And in doing that, we've had to have multiple conversations about like my boundaries and what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. My rules when it comes to doing parenting thing. And the reason why when people are like, my mom won't do that or, you know, this is just how they are. That's a choice. My mom, she, she, she chose to be like, oh, you know, Rick, <laughs> this one time she, she was upstairs in the loft talking about like how my brother, I was, my son, I was pregnant at the time. He like was in his hitting phase. And she said, I had to stop myself because you know, Raquel don't allow violence in her home. And I'm like, mom, I can hear you. She said, I ain't whispering. I'm not whispering. She was talking to my dad. And he said, she said, I had to stop myself. You know, Raquel don't allow violence. She don't, she don't do that. And I'd be like, yo, but. She, but she did stop herself. Like it wasn't an aspect of like copying him or anything like that or, or doing stuff like that. She was just like, she knew that that's not what I wanted. She knows that there's certain things we do. So like when people say like, oh, my mom would never do that. That's a choice. And the hurtful part about that, like the reason why some people accept this whole, like, I don't want, you know, they're, they're never, they're too old to change. is because it's harder. It's easier to accept that than to accept the fact that like, at some point your parents decided that respecting you, disrespecting you was worth it. And that's a harmful, that's a harmful experience, right? So like, it's easier to say they're too old to change than to say my, my parents decided that hurting me and disrespecting me was okay in their book. Mm. That hurts. It hurts to say that, but that's what it is. My mom changed all the time. She, I don't think my mom has ever been apologized to when she makes an issue like by her parent, when she has something and we're having a difficulty, she apologized to me without the problem. I can tell my mom, she hurt my feelings and she will apologize. She can say like, I didn't mean to do it that way. We can have disagreements about Stuff I, like not even disagreements with parenting, but she'll be like, you know, certain things that I'll be like, I don't want to do it that way. And I don't want you to do it that way. And she'll say, OK, I know for a fact that's not the way she was parenting. I know my grandma, no. my great grandma. No, I, I think I'd have like, been popped in the mouth numerous times. My mouth has always been this hot. OK, like. <laughs> <laughs> which is why you're making a different decision now, Yeah, which is why I make it. It, it didn't do anything. I mean, come on. It didn't do anything. But she also. Knows not to pop my children. She, she, you know, like you, I think a lot of people just use an excuse because it's hurtful to think that your parents are like, whatever, I don't care. So wait, what is the 10% you would change? Is it only the popping? Because you said- Oh, the popping, I don't even count that. Like, mm, popping, no. Like, it, it, it would be like- It must affect you in some way. Oh yeah, you? it did. That's why I don't do it. Because right. it makes no sense. I don't consider that the big 10%. I feel like I didn't get popped often. My mom actually didn't really, she didn't really have to put her hands on me. She was enough. She was enough. Is she hot? Is she sassy? Oh, we're the same person. Me and my mom are the same person. Wow. It's a lot. No, it's more so explaining myself, like talking more about things. I also have more room to talk, right? Like single parent of two twin girls at 18, 19, 20, whatever, getting her bachelor's, getting her master's, didn't have time to explain stuff. 
So I explain stuff more, even like I was dealing with this one parent who was there as a, as a patient and she was there because of like, um, CPS call and she had mandate therapy or whatever. And we were talking about it. And, um, first of all, when she saw me, she was like, oh, what? but she was explaining stuff to me. And she was just like, listen, I understand that you're not supposed to put your hands on your child. And she's like that. She's still, I totally get it. But let me tell you what happened. Like I told my child multiple times, like you cannot pour the cereal. She said, I'm on a very fixed income. She said, like, we we can't afford these things. She was like, so pour the cereal. We're already late. Spilled it all over the floor. Now I don't have food. That was supposed to last me till Friday. It's Monday. And I understand. I'm not saying I don't understand. She said, but I need someone who understands me. I need someone who understands me. Like, I understand it was wrong. And I, I regretted it after I did it. But she said, in that moment, I, I was just so angry. I have no, we don't have money for this. And I told you, you know, so it's, it's kind of like the whole aspect of the decisions that had to be made previously. And during enslavement, during Jim Crow, not listening is life or death, yes. right? And it wasn't life or death for her in that situation. But in that moment, she was just like, I'm already going to a job I hate in a world that can't stand me. I said, please don't pour the thing. I walk out for five seconds, you poured it. And I just got so mad. I hit the child. And she also acknowledged that it wasn't right to do. And she also acknowledged that it was out of anger. She didn't have any inclination of thinking like I was trying to teach my child a lesson. No, I was pissed and I was taking it out of my child. Yes. That was it. No aspect of being like, oh, I was raised that way or, oh, I was trying to teach them a lesson. She she was like, no, I was mad. And I feel like some parents don't acknowledge that. It's like, I was, I'm not trying to discipline my child. I'm trying to punish my child. I'm trying to make my child feel as badly as I feel. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah, and mama stay. Mama stay.